I don't want to call myself a full-on movie buff. It is a quasi-movie admirer. <laughs> Maybe that's the way we'll go. I defer to the experts, including the man that joins me now, Rick Forchuk. Rick, how are you today? Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, and... Uh... I'm more than a buff. I think I'm a buffoon, but I get my drift. <laughs> I get it. Well, it's why I defer to people like you who really delve into these movies. And, you know, with just a couple of days before we flip the calendar to 2023, great time to reflect on uh, some of the things from the silver screen. So I'm going to throw a movie at you right out of the gate, and we'll kick things off this way. We'll start with the best of the season, best of 2022, that is, Amsterdam, sure. which really seemed to um, rub people the right way. It didn't rub me the right way. I thought really? it was one of the worst movies of the year. Yeah, really. Really, I, I thought that was a terrible movie. And um, it had an excellent cast. We have Kristen Bale, Anya Taylor-Joy, Margot Robbie, Chris Rock, John David Washington. They completely wasted here, as David O. Russell turns him into a bunch of talking heads with not very much to say. And you can watch very quickly for Taylor Swift in the only action sequence early on, which lasts just a few brief seconds. I don't know what happened with this film. Uh, it did not do well at the box office. Um, the inside critics liked it. All of the, uh, not all of the, but most of the really artsy aficionados liked it. Um, most average moviegoers didn't because they didn't go. Uh, or when surveyed, there's a thing called cinema score that uh, in the U.S. and major markets, uh, they survey people leaving the first uh, showing of a new movie. And that's what they thought. Cinema score got terrible, terrible results. Most people leaving the theater said, wasted my time. I felt that way, too. I didn't like Amsterdam. I thought it was a bad movie. But wow. These things are extremely, these things are very subjective, of course, because for every person who thinks it's a bad movie, there's somebody who says, well, what's he talking about? What does he know about anything? So I didn't like Amsterdam. Didn't do it for me at all. Well, is that not back-to-back -back, uh, clunkers then for Margot Robbie, who coming into the year was really as hot as a pistol? Well, exactly. And uh, you have to ask yourself the question, what was she thinking? Or what was her management thinking? <laughs> yes. uh, because Margot Robbie is also in Babylon, which is in theaters right now. It opened last weekend. It's a dreadful movie. Absolutely a dreadful, dreadful movie, despite the fact that it's got Brad Pitt and Gene Smart and Margot Robbie. Uh, but it's also got a script that doesn't go anyplace and uh, doesn't really do anything. And it is uh, starts with about 30 minutes of... Um, rampant orgies, debauchery, and uh, nudity, uh, and sexuality. That leaves Brad, Margot, and Gene Smart, uh, and a whole lot of other people who should know better, standing around wondering what happened. Because again, a big bust at the box office. This one did not do any business at all. So what we'll have to wait and see, Rob, is whether or not the Academy, when it starts voting for Oscars, picks this as one of those films that, wow, it's about the movie business in the 1920s and the early 30s in Hollywood, Therefore, it has art written all over it. Let's mm. give it some nominations. Uh, we'll see if that happens. I, I don't think it will, and it shouldn't. Uh, it's uh, directed and written by Damien Chazelle. He did La La Land and Whiplash. A pretty bright guy. I just didn't like the movie at all. I thought it was one of the worst I've seen this year. You know, Rick, I think we're going to pivot here. I was going to start with the best, but we're on back-to-back -back negative. So maybe we should just finish this whole segment on the worst of 2022 before we get to the good stuff. Um Another one that seemed to miss was Don't Worry Darling. And this was one that a lot of people were curious about. Why didn't this one hit? Yeah, that's a good question because I really, really wanted to love this movie. Everything I knew about it going in, I thought, wow, this is going to be just great. It was shot in the Palm Springs area. 
It has a Stepford Wives vibe to it. It's a company town, but we don't know what the company actually does. And uh, the men leave their homes simultaneously each morning, driving classic 60s T-Birds and Corvettes. Uh, they return for dinner and for their eagerly awaiting wives in the evening. We've got Florence Pugh and Harry Styles, just great in this movie. The look and the feel is right out of the 60s. Everything is deadly accurate. Unfortunately, it doesn't really go anywhere. Uh, it, it could go somewhere, but it doesn't really get there. And a movie that doesn't have a payoff at the end, in my opinion, for the most part, is not a good movie. You want to be able to leave the theater saying, wow, I got it. And did they ever wrap that up nicely? Didn't happen with Don't Worry Darling. That did not bad business at the box office. It wasn't a movie that people generally hated. I just thought that um, Olivia Wilde, a first-time director here, could have done a more credible job. And I think for a first project, it was okay, but she needs to go back to film school. That's a Don't Worry Darling, not a great film. Wow, that's a, that's tough criticism. Um, I was wondering, and you know what, I'm, I'm actually big onto the Netflix, so I'm huge into Homeland. And when I saw that Timothy Chalamet was in a movie, I thought, okay, well, this can't go wrong, but Bones and All seems to come up a little flat. Yeah, it went wrong, too, despite Timothy Chalamet. He's great. Chalamet is just a great actor. Uh, this movie is the story of young people on a road trip looking for their next meal. And they happen to be cannibals. Otherwise, they're just regular, well-adjusted young people uh, looking for life and love and a new meal. Uh, the movie didn't go anyplace either. It didn't really work on any level. Uh, Bones and all did not do much at the box office either. And audiences that, at CinemaScore leaving theaters said, oh, that was awful. It was just awful. Now, not every person said that, obviously. Um, so you can look at a film like this and say, it's got Timothy Chalamet in it. It can't be all bad. I'm going to watch it for him. And that's fair enough. I have no problem with that. Somebody could say the same thing about Babylon. They could say, I want to watch it for Brad Pitt. Fair enough. But in terms of being a, a good movie, a well-put-together movie, I would say not likely at all, Rob. I, I'm so amazed at this year. How, okay, before we get to the best doves, Rick, what would you say if you could define 2022 in maybe a word or just a sentence when it comes to the industry as a whole, was this just kind of the uh, the bridge year, the forgotten year? How would you describe 2022? Well, that's a really good question. Uh, and I would say a bridge year is a good way to describe it. Uh, we're coming out of COVID. Uh, we have a movie business uh, that has really been in, in a real challenging time because even though theaters finally opened up, a lot of people, particularly older people, didn't want to run the risk of going to theaters. Now, I've been in theaters every weekend since they opened, and uh, sometimes they were busy and sometimes they were not. But from the business's point of view, the movie business's point of view, if it wasn't a sequel, like a big Avengers movie, if it wasn't a sequel, it didn't seem to do as well. Spider-Man, same thing. Uh, but that, those tended to skew to younger audiences. So I think the challenge is COVID, and we're not done with it yet. It'll be interesting to see what happens next year. Um, the box office has really been, uh, you know, there have been a couple of big films that have done very well. But generally speaking, the movie business is down. That hurts theaters. Uh, it hurts a lot of people in the business. So we shall see. Uh, see if the bridge continues uh, to overcome things or if it's going to be just a standalone year next year. Looking forward to it. That's a very good question, though, Rob. 
I had a friend that just texted me yesterday and he says it was worth the wait. And I didn't know what he was talking about and that he realized that he went to see Avatar. 13 years between these two films, James Cameron uh, apparently hits this one out of the park. Your thoughts on Avatar The Way of Water? Well, I agree with your friend. It was worth the wait. I thought it was a sensational movie. I thought those 13 years kind of flew by. Uh, it's a fantastic film. The arboreal forests of the moon of Pandora, and now the oceans have this visual extravaganza. Uh, yesterday, the movie topped $1 billion in its first 12 days open. So that's equal to anything anybody has done. It is on track because it has legs. Uh, this one is going to stay in theaters for a long time. So it's on track to do the $2 billion that James Cameron says he needs to do to break even and then start making money after that. The challenge with it has been China. Uh, China, normally, with a film like this, would add an awful lot to the bottom line. But they're having significant COVID problems in China, so the movie didn't open as strongly as they thought. However, uh, that was made up for by Europe and uh, the North American markets, which had just been loving this film. Loving it, loving it, loving it. I thought that it was great. I thought that uh, Cameron knew exactly what he was doing. It was wonderful technically. It also had a great story to it. And it was just what's not to love. Hats off to James Cameron for what I thought was just a marvelous piece of work for Avatar, The Way of Water. Love the movie. Another one that uh, I heard through the grapevine that you loved was The Menu. I did. And you know what? This one made most people's uh, 10 worst lists, The Menu. Uh, I put it on my top 10 list. No kidding. This is Rafe Fines. Yeah, this is Rafe <laughs> Fines. He's just excellent as, a, as an exotic chef who's got an isolated island restaurant. He has people waiting months and even years just to come and show up at his food establishment. You have to take a yacht out there. It's somewhere off the coast of Georgia. And uh, this is an excellent story at every level. Uh, we've got Anya Taylor-Joy, who's fabulous in this movie. She's great in everything she does, I think. Uh, it's a place where the characters and table settings could have been from Agatha Christie. The plot could have been stirred by Alfred Hitchcock. What I liked so much about this film is that there was no predictability and there was a lot of guessing as to who did what to whom. And that's why I liked it. When I walked out of the theater, I said to my wife, um, you know what? I've never seen a movie like that before. And I can safely say to people, see the menu and you'll say, you know what? I've never seen anything quite like this. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who it's going to happen to. And you're not entirely sure that what you're seeing is the real thing. Or is it not? Very, very well done. So I liked it a lot. Uh, a lot of people didn't like the menu. And again, that's the subjective nature of movies. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, one person's, one person's meat is another person's poison. But I did <laughs> like it a lot. One that I saw with my wife that we both enjoyed, and, and we're light movie takers, at, meaning every once in a while a rom-com fits us perfectly. The Lost City was good. And we both came out, speaking of having conversations coming out of the movie theater, we loved the chemistry between Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. I really like this movie as well, and it did big box office, and it will never win an Oscar for anything because it's just a real nice, popular, romantic comedy adventure. Uh, she's the author of romance novels, Sandra Bullock, and the, he's the male model hunk who's depicted on all the book jackets. Uh, they end up in the jungle adventure. You know, think about Romancing the Stone. It goes back to that kind of genre, and it puts them in danger at every turn. And just watch, and you did see this. So you, you, if you thought that Brad Pitt was just outstanding in his extended cameo role, 
uh, you'd be feeling exactly what I felt. Not an artsy movie, not an Oscar contender, but for my money, a lot of very, very good fun. That's The Lost City, Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum, really worth seeing. Rickspicks.ca is where you can find Rick and his assessments on said movies and many, many more. Rick, thank you for doing this. I don't know if this is the last time we get together before the uh, calendar flips, but what a pleasure, and thank you for rolling with the punches here, and uh, appreciate your time today. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Rob. Take care.